Welcome to Sincerely Two Imperfect Therapists, a podcast where we discuss boundaries, money stories, healing within relationships, the therapeutic process, social justice from both the therapist and the client perspective, and the nuances of the human condition. While we may not have all the answers, we use our expertise and personal experiences to guide our discussions that we hope spark curiosity and reflection within yourself. Please note, this is a podcast that's not intended for supervision, therapy, or guidance for your individual needs. Rather, we intend to raise awareness on important topics. We do our best to provide content warnings, though if any topics are upsetting to you, please seek local emergency support. Ooh, we're yawning. We're yep, we're <laughs> yawning. Oh my God. <laughs> it's been that kind of week, huh? Yes, yeah. it sure has. Yeah. It's been that kind of two weeks, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it goes. Yes. <laughs> um... We're talking about insurance today. What a hotly debated topic amongst the therapist community. Um, yeah. We mentioned oh. that briefly at the end of our episode last week. Yeah. Um, that it tends to be a, a hot topic. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's definitely been something that I've been at some point in my career on both sides of the fence. Um, and it wasn't until I started working in um, management that I realized um, why I didn't want to ever deal with insurances again. Yeah. 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 In management, um, you were, what was like your interaction, I guess, with? Um, Mostly the administrative side of things. So seeing what goes into claims hearing claims get denied for the same reason they got approved. (laughs) Just a lot of, I don't know if is ambiguity the right word. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And the hoops that they make you go through one to even panel. um, And then once you do panel, the additional hoops that they make therapists jump through is ridiculous it's just it seems like a really shitty deal yeah yeah a really shitty deal yeah yeah I think if you were to poll the general population of therapists I think a lot of people whether they're on the panels or not on the panels would agree that it's challenging that there's so much that goes into working with insurance and I I agree I actually saw that myself when working in a bit of uh an administrative slash management type role um and What I saw from that was just honestly more so from like hearing our billing team talk Mm -hmm. kind of back and forth. I wasn't really even a part of those conversations, but just hearing them talk about the claims and trying to wait on hold with the insurance and talk back and forth and arguing back and forth with them about why a claim should be approved Mm -hmm. or why it was denied. And there were a variety of different insurances that that practice was paneled with. And I just remember like making a mental note to myself that one day if I went out into private practice I would not likely be paneling with all or any yeah for sure yeah for sure so what did that look like for you as a clinician not doing your own billing working at an agency or a group or what have you what was your experience with insurance did you have a perception um As a clinician working in an agency, I was pretty removed from it. When I became a supervisor, I was a little closer where I, you know, it would be a lot of back and forth like, oh, this insurance needs this for 
for why? I don't understand. <laughs> um, or it's already indicated on the note or something. It's it just ridiculous things that two weeks ago wasn't a problem. Now it's suddenly a problem. Um, and then in a group, it was the paneling process. Mm. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we taking a year? We supposedly want to make therapy more accessible, but you're taking a year to panel. Well, there was in my position that I was in, one of the Mm -hmm. things that we talked about. um, So I was I was in more of like a a hiring position. So I was working with um, like onboarding and bringing new clinicians on and working directly with our small administrative team to talk about kind of what our goals were as a as a as a practice. Um, and I remember when trying to get new clinicians who are new to the, the group, um, to be paneled with certain insurances, they would come back and say, unfortunately, we are, um, too saturated that we have too many people plan paneled. And so we can't accept you onto our panel because we already have enough therapists. We don't need any more. But then our confusion always came in, in a sense that like, then why do we still have clients that are calling with that insurance saying that they can't find anyone (laughs) to take them? Mm -hmm. So make it make sense. Like, sure, you have X number of therapists, but do we know that all of those people are full and not accepting new clients? Thank you. (laughs) And if uh, somebody wants to be on your panel, why wouldn't you want to provide that access to care? But (laughs) they don't give a shit. No, they they really don't. Um, yeah, I mean, I know, uh, colleagues of mine who are going, who have gone on to group practice and it's taken like almost three, sometimes five months to actually fully on board because insurances are taking that long to panel these therapists. Mm. I, I don't understand. Yeah. So we're going to get back to you in five months, but also this claim needs to be submitted in 48 hours. Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Really? Because you sometimes take four to six weeks to pay me for a service that was done yeah. a month ago. Yeah. Or if I call you, then you make me wait on hold for four hours. So. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I have clients, so I can't wait around for four hours for you to tell yeah. me that my claim was denied just because. Yeah. Because that's really the reasoning often is just because. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's cause, cause it is. Or like I got a, a, a fax mm-hmm. from a certain um company about a claim and i am not even in network with this company (laughs) and so it said if you have any questions please call xyz i was like oh okay well this claim doesn't you know i shouldn't be getting this information this isn't for me um so i boop 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 dialed the number and it was like thanks for calling unfortunately our business hours are this 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 and i was like it's 12 p.m so i hung up and i tried again i was like same message it's 12 o'clock at p.m like i'm calling within business hours and they want me to leave a message so you're not even gonna like allow me to take like wait on hold Mm -hmm. so i hung up i called a different number and was finally connected to a department they didn't even acknowledge like oh you have to wait for a return call like it was just i got through but that wasn't the number that was on the facts about if you have any questions and nobody called me back the first time i ever left like you really don't want me to talk to you, do you? Right. <laughs> and that's really what it feels like often is um, they just make it so 
hard and I don't I don't understand why and it's you know we're therapists so we can only speak to the therapist's perspective but my neighbor in my office building is a dentist he says hmm. the same thing he's like these ins- they're they're wild why yeah why do they deny claims that were previously approved for the exact same reason that now they are denied yeah so how do you keep up you know how do you how do you have any assurances that you're going to get paid right and I I think that's one of my biggest things is I've noticed and we've talked about this before that for whatever reason therapists are almost perceived as oh well you need to provide this service for the good of the community but it's like I don't know one person who likes to work and not receive any type of compensation so why is everyone so very quick to expect therapists to work for free yeah when we know that take Maslow's hierarchy of needs if we don't have our basic needs met how are we going to you know to provide support to the community and when we can't even pay our own bills we can't even get food on the table yeah because that's the other thing right is insurances are either not paying you or if you're lucky enough that they do pay you consistently like for example estate insurance well at least ours does um, pay consistently I would say at least in my experience um, they pay you extremely low rates like extremely heinously low rates. Yeah. Not awful, but no. pretty freaking crappy. Yeah. And and actually I think our I think the state insurance actually just increased their pay rate, which insurance companies do. Sometimes mm-hmm. they will offer an increase. I know some insurance companies you have to actually request or formally request an increase. But we're talking like minuscule numbers here. Right. And and so I think that that's challenging when it comes to the fact that like so for instance um i use a specific ehr mm-hmm. um and recently got an email or a notice that credit card processing fees are going up yep and so then i also have to kind of look at my business expenses and mm-hmm. think about okay am i going to eat this cost or am i going to try to compensate it for it in another way either by increasing my rates or picking up an extra client or mm-hmm. um cutting down on expenses elsewhere. It's not, again, not a massive increase in credit card processing fees. But when we think about how those annual costs increase for our businesses, to not be getting any sort of pay difference over the years Mm -hmm. is asinine to me. Like, I think in the last 20 years, insurance companies have essentially been paying basically the same. And that's a generalization. I don't have exact stats on that. But when we think about the the increase of cost, it just it does not make sense, and people expect us to still be coming to work with bright, shining faces and happy go lucky. It's right. frustrating. It is super frustrating because you know we've talked about this before that our rates may be set um, maybe a little bit higher than some people would want to pay, but I think what what is being forgotten is that when you have a private practice where you get you're only being you're only able and capable to keep that private practice afloat is if is based on the rates that you have so it's not like you're pocketing let's say 250 30 percent of that goes into taxes and then it goes into your electricity your internet your ehr system and all of the other overhead costs that come with running a business Your rent the snacks I have in my waiting op- my waiting room yes. for you the yes. books that I lend people the 
comfort the equipment items, for EMDR. The, literally, like yes. the blankets and the pillows and the new couch because the old ones' cushions are all screwed up. And yep, the the ability to do that. Well, also paying myself mm-hmm. and making sure that I myself can show up, not thinking about other stuff that doesn't relate to your therapy. Right. That I can show up 100% because I feel taken care of. And not, again, not living, I don't think a lot of therapists live extravagant lifestyles. It's really where yeah. we're asking for those basic needs to be met. And so you had even said like a, a fee that that people might not want to pay. And I think that that's relative, right? Like yeah. what people feel is reasonable is really based on kind of their own circumstance and how they understand money how they see money where they live what they do what factors are at play um if they have family support if Mm -hmm. they what their circumstances are I mean there's so much that goes into socioeconomic status and how people see our rates but I think the bottom line of that is it is easy for us to stand on the outside and look at somebody else and the rates that they're either asking for from insurance companies or that they are setting for themselves and just say, well, that's too much, right? Yeah. Because we don't know that specific person's circumstance For sure. or um, what they specialize in. or There's so much that goes into that. Yeah. Um, and insurance companies, unfortunately, just totally don't – they don't, just don't care about that. Right, right. They, they, they don't. And, and that's why, you know, I think we alluded to this in one of our previous episodes, why it's – important to tackle this on a societal level is why are we not making all healthcare more affordable and accessible and instead we're making the providers have to dictate what that looks like right so the burden of that yeah exactly we bear the burden of that so yeah I absolutely have sliding scale fees because I do want to give back to the community I know not everybody because of their circumstance can pay my my you know my private pay rate um but also you know, how if let's say that we all provided therapy at a very, very low cost, how many clients do we have to see just to keep our business afloat? Sure. Um, I I did. Um, oh, my God, my words are not wording today. I feel like that happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I got on this call with a um, and a woman who specializes in, in coaching uh, private practice therapists And one of the things she said is you guys have to remember to think a little bit like hone into that CEO mentality because if you put your rates at so like so incredibly low that yes, it is accessible to the community, but you can't even pay your overhead costs, let alone pay yourself you're not going to have an office or you're not going to practice to keep clients exactly you're not going to see any clients because you have nothing to keep your practice afloat or open yeah and it's 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 sad but it's that is the reality of things right now is our health care on a societal level is is extremely expensive and that's the other part that at least to me really pisses me off is you have these employees paying an egregious amount just to have insurance on a monthly basis taking sometimes two hundred dollars out of their paycheck on a bi-weekly basis if uh, like if minimum that, yeah, at minimum like, that's like sometimes the, like a low, right like, right yeah. and that's only for yourself because don't get me started if you start God adding forbid, a spouse yeah. or right. a kid you know like 
almost everybody, every adult American, at, I mean, you know, has at this point. But now you're also denying their claims. So right. what are they paying you for? What are they paying insurance for if you're going to deny their claims? Right. I don't know. Right. Uh, someone make it make or sense. You're, or you're limiting their care, right? Right. So like when we think about mental health care, at, at least when I think of mental health care, like it's preventative, mm-hmm. right? That a lot of times people come to therapy in crisis. People come in after a, an event has happened, some a tragedy, um, that they're seeking support kind of in response to something happening. Mm-hmm. But there are also people who come to therapy as kind of a preventative situation. Man, yeah. I realized these last few months I've been really sad and I know that depression runs in my family. So I'm going to go talk to someone and see what that's all about. They are trying to get ahead of the problem before it gets too far, before yeah. they end up hospitalized or in a long-term intensive treatment or like they are trying to get ahead of the problem. But unfortunately, a lot of times our healthcare system isn't set up in a way that is okay with that, that they require a diagnosis Mm -hmm. within the first 24 hours of meeting someone. Meanwhile, what if they, what if they are there just for preventative care? They're there for some extra support. They're feeling some extra life stressors, Mm -hmm. but there's not necessarily at this point a seen diagnosis. Right. Like, but, but they require that. Right, in and order now, to cover the cost of the session. Right, you have to prove that the services are medically necessary. Mm-hmm. How do we determine medical necessity? Like, Thank you. That's that's the one for me. Oh, that's it for me. Who are you to tell this person that their issue is not important? Basically, that's at least yeah. how I perceive yeah. it is. Medically, ne- who are you? What are you? What's your marker to determine if this part because therapy is one of those things where some people just want to come for skill building they don't have many coping skills so that's what I'm that's what I want to learn and so they come for maybe three four sessions and and if they have insurance why shouldn't they be able to use that but then you also make it difficult to for the providers to take the it's just it's so fucked yeah yeah it is so messed up well, that's the that's the that's the double edged sword. I, mm-hmm. At least I think that that's kind of the right the right way to put that. But I'm not on any insurance panels. I initially went into private practice, promising myself I I would mm-hmm. only take state insurance, and I did for a while, and then ended up kind of burning myself out. So I left that panel. Um, and now, even being somebody who doesn't accept insurance, I still believe. And would be happy to jump back on insurance panels mm-hmm. if and when the day comes that insurances are willing to have more of a negotiation with providers about yep. pay. But mm-hmm. also, I don't want you in my sessions dictating what clients get help and what clients don't get help, which clients' services are covered and which client services are not covered. If they're here in my office, can we just acknowledge that they need to be here or at the very least is helpful to them that we'll, that we're finding a way to make that helpful to them and if it's not helpful to them then I'm referring them out but right. I do believe that people have the right to use their insurance they are paying so freaking much money every mm-hmm. single month to utilize it or to have it but then even when they try to utilize it they're getting smacked in the ass it just yep. it yep. is so ass backwards there is no I think that 
there's an entire all around lack of clarity. Mm-hmm. People are not clear about what services are covered, both from a client perspective and sometimes even from a provider perspective. Clients aren't even sure which providers take their insurance because directories are not often kept up to date, even right. if providers say, hey, I'm not in your insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, that providers are unclear about the um, standards for which or the expectations for their documentation. Right. That they say, you need to have appropriate documentation. Okay. What can you, can you, Mr. Insurance Company, tell me what that looks like? And it is incredibly hard. It's not that it's not out there, but they make it very, very difficult to find those specific regulations. And so it makes it really, really challenging Mm -hmm. to do what's right in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going off of that, because I also decided not to take any private insurances. I also just take state insurance and I've, it's been okay. Um, I, I don't, love it but it's been okay um but we had actually i think last week talked about how there are some insurances who are now saying you can use our telehealth option but someone's watching so for some context i um my specific insurance company that i utilize um sent a flyer to me and i'd heard about it in passing through like therapist gossip right everybody's Mm -hmm. kind of chattering about oh did you hear about blah 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 getting implemented um and i actually got a flyer and i like held it up and was like you can get six free weeks of therapy covered by your insurance on our telehealth platform with our approved providers and it looks really great it looks really appealing but knowing what i know is that that insurance company has in its fine print that they have access to your telehealth sessions and they're using that access to determine whether the therapist is actually providing helpful goal-oriented appropriate medically necessary interventions so from your telehealth sessions they can look in on those sessions and then say yeah we don't think you're benefiting from that right we're not going to cover how fucked up is that? Where is privacy? Where's privacy? Um, also, like you had mentioned, not every intervention is, okay, so now we are going to do thought diffusion techniques. <laughs> like, right. now we're going to do Socratic <laughs> questioning. Like, that's not how therapy works. That's right. not how... And, and sure, sometimes you might introduce, okay, what we're going to work on today is something called this. But not every time is it so obvious. So unless there's going to be – and I can't even imagine another therapist looking in on another therapist session being like, yeah, she's not effective. So who's deciding? Because I'm sorry, if it's somebody who does not have a counseling degree – you don't get to tell me who studied this for almost eight years if I'm being effective. I'm going <laughs> to And you don't know my me? client. And you, you don't, don't know, my... know my client. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You don't know my client. And who are you? Who are you? <laughs> no, literally, who are you? Yeah. It's yeah. like, imagine they started doing that to doctors as well. And I think they have, actually. Sure. Imagine you're seeing your cardiologist and somebody who works in insurance is not to shit on them, whatever. Yeah, I don't actually think that that's, No. I don't want to cover this session because I don't think that you asked that question the right way. Yeah. 
but yeah. you don't are you a cardiologist oh i'm sorry I'm, you actually only spent a total of nine and a quarter minutes with the client mm-hmm. the rest was spent with the nurse so that's not covered it's like wait a minute right <laughs> and I, from them i um have a very close uh colleague who is a do and what is a do um doc it's like it's not an md so it's kind of like a professional degree but in um internal medicine okay Does, uh, yeah yeah um at least that's what i understand it so she got off of insurance panels because they would tell her yeah you can see this client for 15 minutes i'm sorry 15 minutes but the patient has a myriad of health conditions and you want her to go in there see the patient for 15 minutes and then somehow be able to formulate what because you only gave her 15 minutes can makes no sense that makes me think of how there are so there are specific billing codes right Mm -hmm. for insurances Mm -hmm. and there are specific billing codes that insurance companies look for that providers have to use based on the time spent in session especially when i'm talking specifically for psychotherapy right that's it so if my client has a crisis and i end up staying an extra half hour with them or an extra 40 minutes with them right i'm just stuck at that one billing code fee so on one hand, I mean, I'm, I care about my clients, so I yes. will stay and eat the cost. And I did when I was on insurances. But I can see where in some cases, depending on, on what's happening for that therapist, kind of where they're at, what their mentality is, puts therapists in a really difficult position because what you're doing is essentially capping me. Right. That, Not that it's about the money, but it is a little bit... <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. and that's the that's the thing, right? Is I find that amongst our community of therapists, we don't talk about money because from the moment we decide to be therapists, what's drilled in our head is, oh, you don't come into this field for the money. No, but I deserve a livelihood. Uh, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> it's no, you're right. I'm not going into my career of helping people with the like the forefront not looking of my to mind. Empty their pockets. Right. Exactly. But. Again, for the job that we do, we need to be present. Yeah. It'll be very difficult to be present with anybody on an emotional level if we know that we're going back home and not knowing where our next meal comes from. If we go back home and we don't know if we're going to be able to pay our bills this month, because again, the service, at least this is what I've heard from other, um, you know, providers who have been on insurance they don't know if they're going to get paid because their claims could get denied or they have to wait four to six weeks. That is a month and some change to get right. paid. That is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even that they're denied. It's just they're like in holding. Or yeah. It's like just being reviewed. And it's right. like you, that people are trying to call and trying to contact and they're like, oh, you know, we're in a, we're experiencing a delay. Please mm-hmm. call back in 14 days. And it's like, what? <laughs> what 14 days right whatever yeah Yeah. it's it's really um appalling and i think it's it's difficult for both therapists and it's unfair Mm -hmm. to clients right that when we're not taking care of the providers we are ultimately causing harm to our clients Mm -hmm. because it reduces essentially that 
it can have the potential to reduce the quality of care that they're receiving. Absolutely. That if I have to choose between seeing 35, 40 clients a week and taking my kids to soccer mm-hmm. or um, being able to pay for childcare so that I can take, I don't have kids, but parents who are paying for childcare to then be able to come to the sessions, like which, which is it? Like it, right. we have to make certain choices and it's challenging because the insurance companies make that incredibly difficult. And it feels like a guessing game that none of us can win at. Um, I mentioned a little bit earlier that the expectations and regulations for documentation um, vary Mm -hmm. company to company. Generally, mostly the same, but can vary. Yeah. Uh, And not clear always. Um, that that information can be really hard to find. And so then what can happen is they will come, the insurance companies can flag a certain number of clients that you have, that you take their insurance for and do what they call an audit. Mm. Right. Oh, the audits. And the audits are based on the charts that they selected. So you have to then send those, that, those notes from those clients to the insurance company for them to review to see if there are any mistakes. If there is a mistake made, A, mistake made they will multiply that by a certain number of years just assuming that if you made this one mistake then there must have been at least 10 of those and if there's 10 of those in a year then we're going to multiply that by five years and we're charging you we're recouping twice the amount of what you were paid because it's a penalty so now and I'm just making up numbers here Mm -hmm. but that's essentially how it works where they create a penalty they recoup the money and now even though you only got paid five thousand dollars for those sessions they're recouping thirty thousand dollars based on five clients yep and they say i know that this is only five clients that you've treated out of the 50 that you've seen and under our insurance but we're going to multiply that again because we just assume that you made those mistakes elsewhere but you didn't freaking tell me the expectations (laughs) right and also like it bothers me the privacy aspect um, when utilizing insurance, right? So with notes, if let's say they have really high expectations on what needs to be entailed in notes, you're not the therapist. You don't need to know what traumatic incident my client is working on. You don't need to know that. Right. You, you are not the therapist. You are not the provider who's treating. Okay, I get it. You want no, actually, I don't get it. Why are we, why does, if they're already paying you a monthly cost to use their insurance, yeah. what's it to you if they, yeah. like, I and I can't even get the words out because it just doesn't I, make sense. Well, right, because it comes back to, like, their argument would be, like, again, medical necessity. They mm-hmm. want to see proof that it's necessary for them to pay us. And so if you have somebody who had, uh, they were going through a life stressor. Let's say they, um, okay, here's a relevant one. Let's say they're having an abortion, mm-hmm. right? And you decide that it's clinically necessary for them to increase to twice a week because they're really struggling with facing that stressor. Decision, yeah. That decision. But what you write in your note is out of wanting to be private, private and Um, still truthful, you write, client was struggling with life stressor, clinically necessary to increase to twice a week until 
stressor is reduced. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to come back and say that I wasn't clear enough about why two times a week was necessary. But I was. I said that there was a life stressor. You just don't need to know what that was. Right. You don't need to know. You don't. Not your business. Not your business. Trust my clinical judgment that Mm -hmm. this was temporary. I'm not seeing him twice a week forever. But it was necessary for them in that period of time to be seen twice a week. You need to know. Right. That's it. Mm -hmm. But if we think about the time, either the time spent arguing for those claims to be accepted or the amount that's recouped from those sessions can sometimes be enough to put an entire practice underwater. A hundred percent. Because they didn't specify quite in the way that they needed. One of their treatment goals wasn't 100% measurable. Those are important aspects of appropriate documentation. At the same time, Mm -hmm. it becomes really, we're not teaching therapists to do better or to be better documented. Right. Be better at documentation. Documentation. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) We're not teaching them to do better. We're putting them out of business. Right. Like, great, now now that therapist is one less therapist that we have in the available. But people don't. People, the general public, don't often see that side of things. Right. And and nor would they, right? That's understandable. Because sure. um, they're just, again, and it's always the same thing as, well, I, I pay for my insurance, so I should be able to use it. A hundred percent. You should be able to use it. Even therapists who are not on any panels agree with you that you should be able to use it. The problem is that they don't work with us either. You know, when even when we try to work with them, they don't work with us. And so it's I, I'm sorry to say, but it does come down to also this is our survival as well as we have to be able to live in order to be present. You know, it's I can't think of anybody in any job who take the the person who right now is homeless and living on the street. Mm-hmm. Somebody might look at that person and say, well, why don't they just get a job? Do they have the attire to go for a job interview. Do they have a home address? Do they have a home address? Job application. Right. Do they have a place where they can, you know, or do they have bus fare money to go to the place of employment consistently? A photo ID. A photo ID. Like people it's not just so clear cut. There's a lot of things that go into that. And so I again I can't imagine anybody would want to show up um, to work and work for free, and yet there are still therapists who will see who will see clients pro bono if they're in a good place where they can do that um, by choice. By choice, by exactly. Choice. But I think it is unfair for people to ask therapists to, you know, see clients for ten dollars and then call therapists those same therapists greedy if they dare raise their rate above a hundred. And it's like, okay, but again. We can't keep seeing clients if we don't even have enough money to keep our business afloat because EHR systems aren't that cheap either. So it's Neither like, let's say office rent. You want right. to come in person? Like, mm-hmm. think we got to have a space to do that. <laughs> we got to have a space to do that. And with it, that comes electricity and internet. And and furniture and making sure that the office is, I mean, we could certainly sit in an empty office with no pillows and one, two, two dining room chairs. Right. But- that's not the type of healing environment that we want to create. And I think that there's a lot more thought that goes into these things than people often realize. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because I think that there's a lot of both from um, 
the general public, but yep. also even within our therapist communities, 100%. a lot of us have the same goal. We all want to help people find healing, get better, function better in their lives. We want to give back and um, be the, the forces of change. But we, a lot of us have different ideas of how to get there. Mm-hmm. Some people feel that fighting the system well in the system is great leverage. So people who are insur- on insurance panels and actively fighting with those insurance panels actively and advocating for themselves while on them. But then you also have people who are off them. And that's kind of a form of, I guess, strike, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I have no qualms with getting back insurance panels, but it needs the terms need to be different. They need to be fair. Um, and it, I know that I, I am much more likely to create change for the people who come into my office the way that I'm currently running my business that it wasn't I couldn't create change before it wasn't that I didn't have an impact before I think I I probably did but I was also burnt out and tired and struggling and I am a hundred percent positive that at least some of my clients picked up on that Um, despite my best efforts well right and and that's the thing right is a lot of at least the clinicians that I know that are still paneled with insurances also have to see almost 38 clients a week just to be able to make that quote-unquote six-figure threshold. Um, and and even if it's not, that's not the goal, is you're still seeing 38 clients a week. I'm not saying that our job is so hard because there's certainly people out here, I mean, I was one, right, that would work three jobs sometimes just to make ends meet. Absolutely. Um, so I'm not above working hard. I know that concept. I've lived that concept. But I will say there was a very big difference doing my three jobs, you know, in what they were versus being a therapist, because this job requires a lot of emotional, um, I don't want to call it tax, that makes it sound bad, but it... it, We're holding space for really difficult experiences. Right. And not only are we holding space for that 60 minutes once a week for every client that we have Mm -hmm. but we're also doing literally just yesterday I went and attended a a school meeting yep I didn't get paid for that right well I say that like I chose that's something that I want to be able to offer to my clients that Mm -hmm. coming to me that's part of the deal right you get to come and that is part of what I offer as kind of comprehensive care mental health care but there is so much that goes into my clients' care outside of just the time they spend face-to-face with me. Yeah. That you're also paying for me to be responsive if you text me in the middle of the week and say, I'm having a really hard time. Do you have five minutes to talk me off the ledge? Mm-hmm. And I can give them that call. Yep. Or if they shoot me a text on the weekend and say, oh my gosh, I had a great win. I have the energy and the capacity to say, wow, oh my gosh, that's so fantastic, and respond back to them. Like, mm-hmm. I get to have that energy to des- decide to do that. Right. And the time, because that's also that's really important. Exactly it's, it. So, so when I was a clinician, seeing eight to nine people a day, Monday through Friday, I didn't have time to attend my client's PPT meeting. Right. I didn't have time to collaborate with the school psychologist or social worker. Spend 30 minutes talking to their psychiatrist. Right. Or 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 that, right? right? Or their med management provider. And sometimes their med management provider being literally down the hall from me, I still didn't have time to go talk to this person um, because I was seeing eight to nine people a day. 
and they're also seeing eight to nine people and day, exactly right? and they're also seeing eight to nine people a day and so i will speak from experience the quality absolutely decreases because i at one point i didn't get the feedback that it's like oh yeah you weren't doing a good job before but i when i opened my private practice one of my clients said to me you look different you glow now hmm. But when I first started seeing that client, it was after an eight-hour day at an agency, and this was my seven o'clock client at a group practice. So I was working from nine to eight, which again, I've done it before. I'm not above working 12-hour days, but also why is that? That's a whole different conversation. Why is that normalized anyway? um, But it's yeah, you yeah. do show up differently. Your capacity to give, yeah. we know window of tolerance, right? Or emotional bandwidth. Eventually, that's kind of going to snap. We're going to snap. We can't possibly, let's take being hangry. Mm-hmm. If I had to work through my lunch, who's going that that kind of that does take a hit to your empathy it level does. it does because i'm too busy worrying about the fact that i got scheduled over my lunch yet again or because i needed to do notes because again i don't have time during the day to do them even if it's not like, an irritability my right. stomach's growling and now mm-hmm. that's literally the only thing that i can focus on and i'm thinking about wh- where do i want to go out to eat should i grab lunch maybe i could order something in and eat it quick or Mm -hmm. maybe there's a vending machine down the hall that i can go grab well actually there's a gas station across oh i'm supposed to be listening right like right (laughs) and that is not fair to our clients it's not but it's all it's all encompassing Mm -hmm. it's all encompassing i you mentioned this timepiece we're talking about having time to collaborate, time to eat, not wearing ourselves down, um, having the ability to design our practice how we'd like. Unfortunately, taking insurance does limit that. I mean, you do, if you're on in your own private practice, you do get some yeah. say over your schedule. But my argument to that is if you're having to see 35 clients at least a week how much flexibility do you really have yep in Still your work in your nine work to days five, basically or more yeah or 12 hour days so that you mm-hmm. can have a, a three-day weekend or exactly. whatever that schedule looks like that yeah i guess there is some flexibility there but we really have to make choices about but those clients still have to be seen yeah and that also makes me think of um the way that with insurance contracts typically um therapists are like if you're on the panel and you're accepting new clients, that's kind of it. There's mm-hmm. really no if, ands, or buts about it. Obviously, if somebody is way outside of your competency, it would be appropriate to refer them out, and we can kind of justify that. But if somebody comes across your way and you're contracted with a specific insurance panel, it's my understanding that the expectation is if you can treat them, you got to take them supposed to yeah then technically supposed to take the client yeah Yeah. absolutely I know some insurances may not be so forceful about that uh rule but there are certainly insurances where I've read on the contract like that's essentially the message or it's like not as regulated I guess exactly but it's it's just I guess I I'm still 
now what five six years in the field still wondering where did where was this cons like this idea of therapy being this that insurances think it is where did that come from Hmm. like I don't understand why well you have to see them you wouldn't like and I think you've mentioned this before you wouldn't go to a cardiologist if you have problems with your feet right right so why is this if this if I don't specialize in in addiction recovery why am I seeing somebody who needs that help right away and I'm wasting their time like can I know some general knowledge about like how to help them through it sure but I'm not going to be the most effective or right fit for that person and I think that you know, one of the things I have on my website is I really talk about the importance of a consult call Mm -hmm. because I cannot stress enough how important it is for you to shop around for a provider because not every provider is the right fit. There are providers who have different approaches. It's the same thing when I have a client tell me, oh, I went to my doctors the other day and they like completely dismissed every single concern I have. And my first question is, how long have you been seeing this provider? Oh, like five years. Why are you still seeing this provider? Because they're yeah. my doctor. Yeah. Not if they're dismissing you like that. They're not. Like you can go find someone else. But then what the problem? What's the problem always? I don't know who's on my. Like I don't know who's a network. Yeah. But I wonder if that's even a function of the problem. You you asked. I wonder where therapists get this idea. Not therapists. Where insurance companies get this idea of what therapy is. Um, like who are you to decide what those services look like? And I have the same, I wonder if that's a function of it being true for other fields as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are there doctors who are more likely to sweep stuff under the rug because they know that insurance won't cover it? Mm -hmm. Or are they more likely to sweep it under the rug because they know that the referral process is lengthy and tedious and it won't go through? Yeah. Um, that they're more willing to say oh uh, yeah 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 you just that's yeah that's Mm -hmm. more of like a like something I get from a therapist perspective is like I'll have clients who go to their PCPs about certain medical stuff they say hey my therapist recommended I check out for like a heart arrhythmia or like just get a full physical just make sure that nothing that's happening physically is physically is actually medically related and it's all due to mental health just rule everything out and there will be providers who will push back with that Mm -hmm. and say well no, you're not due for your physical. It's like, okay, but I'm requesting, I'm requesting one because my therapist recommended it. That, that there has to be a formal, and that goes for even outside providers, right? Like I've had clients who will try to go to specialty care and we're again, trying to rule out because our minds and our bodies are connected. Yep. And that referral process gets either denied or it takes long or you can never get in contact with the office or it's like how much is insurance putting their hand, big insurance, I guess, yes. <laughs> like putting their hand in those interactions. Like it, yeah. it's so pervasive, I think, and of- especially, particularly right. here in the U.S. Yes. And oftentimes a lot, because again, I mentioned like I, I work with a colleague who's in the like also the healthcare field as a doctor. And she says the same way we're seeing eight to nine patients a day, they're also seeing eight to nine, sometimes even more a day and so it's kind of hard 
to blame them for not giving us a call back because it's like when I was seeing eight to nine people a day, I also struggled with my turnaround time um, to give providers a call. And if I did manage to do it, it would have to be during my lunch break. So I also had to sacrifice my time to eat, you know, basic necessity in order to provide collaborative care. And it's like, where are these expectations coming from? Yeah. And why are they coming from some people that I have no idea even what they look like? And they're just sitting behind a computer. Yeah. With a headset on. Yeah. Well, no, probably not even them. Right. right. That it's like it, it is. The people the, even above them. People Absolutely. who are literally in Hawaii on vacation with their family. And exactly. You know, dictating everything else to everybody right. else. Making millions while yeah. there's people getting denied EpiPens. Yeah. Or an Adderall. Yeah. Because that happens. Yeah. It, well, it, so that makes me think of even like my perception I have I'm people might know that I'm a little salty with psychiatrists sometimes they have kind of a (laughs) stigma or a stereotype of of being kind of their bedside manner isn't always great sometimes I'm not there I'm sure there are great psychiatrists out there but in my perception sometimes bedside manner is not great and I think what that comes to is that it's like what a 10 15 minute appointment they're mm-hmm. always running behind because they're so booked so they're yep. all, not only are they running behind then you only get 10 minutes with them and in that 10 minutes because they're trying to meet medical necessity and their documentation requirements it's are you feeling suicidal how are meds working everything okay any weird symptoms no okay script 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 there you go bye Literally. And people leave feeling like I didn't even get the chance to ask the questions that I had about my medication, Mm -hmm. about I didn't have the chance to talk about, you know, if this other thing that popped up is maybe a different diagnosis or a different symptom that could be alleviated. Side effect. effect Mm -hmm. That, yeah, you asked about weird symptoms, but you didn't really give me an opportunity. And if I started to bring it up, then it was kind of immediately dismissed because that's going to be a larger conversation that unfortunately will run into your other appointments and your billing won't be covered because you'll go beyond your coding I don't know the coding for psychiatric services necessarily but it is so impactful and I think that it's easy to look at the providers themselves and as much as a I feel that sometimes psychiatrists can be obnoxious Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) yes hot take um (laughs) as much as I feel that way I also really try to step outside of that and say okay what other factors are at play here and I think that we're all kind of just puppeteers by that bigger system and it's 100% challenging we all have to make really hard choices about what that's going to look like for our practice and as providers um and then as clients it there you're in the dark about it and yep. what you're getting is that front facing poor quality of care yep yep 100% and and it sucks i mean so you know i've I mentioned to you that I want to go back for like my health science degree. Yeah. And in my thesis, I fully plan like I'm not I'm still going through the interview process. Cross your fingers because it's next fingers week. Crossed. Um, <laughs> um, and, and that's one of the things I really want to get down with some empirical data is I want to show how detrimental our healthcare system is to the actual quality of care. And I think they already know. But I want to be able to take that up, like not, and that's the thing, right, is it feels like every therapist is fighting that battle individually. And I'm not saying that our voices don't matter, but we also, again, if you don't have time to 
go and, you know, to our lobbying organizations, if you don't have time to, you know, sit in a forum because you're seeing eight to nine people a day, you're not making a change. You don't have time. Think about this. You and I are sitting here having this conversation and recording a podcast we record on Fridays. It's Friday. We release on Mondays. Uh, When more, six, five, six years ago, I would have been sitting in an agency wanting to cry because I literally was so overworked and burnt out. Yep. Because of the choices that we've made and the ways that we've decided to to be advocates, we have the time and energy and space to sit here and have conversations like this and to go to our lobbying organizations. You're exactly. absolutely right. Yeah. Exactly. I have time to go back to school to be able to tackle this on a macro system. Yeah. Or to rally other people to also want to tackle this on a macro yeah. system, which I can say because I did it for years when I was working at an agency, there was no way in hell I had the emotional, mental, or physical capacity to do that. Yeah. There's just no way. Yeah. And so I get therapists like wanting to give back in the ways that they can 100%. But I'd also encourage the therapists who are so gung-ho about therapists who don't take insurance being unethical to stop and consider that for a second. Well, and we're not against each other. No, 100%. We are, we are fighting the same fight. We just have different ways, ways of, of getting there. It. And mm-hmm. if 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 we can still rally together and write a letter to the insurance commissioner for the state or we can go to our local reps or like if we can still do that then we don't we don't need to waste our time being angry with one another exactly what we need to do is rally together to change the system so that all of us can function in it in a better way absolutely and i want to scream it from the rooftops and i think that it's unfortunate when our attention is misdirected at one another 100 um i know that you and i have had some hot takes on this podcast oh yeah but i think again what we remain true to is the fact that as a community we need to stand together and hold each other accountable and have Mm -hmm. meaningful conversations i'm not opposed to having conversations with people who want to talk about the insurance debate right but it's got to be a conversation if you come and attack me about it then we're then right That just shows you're also not in a space to have (laughs) the conversation. And so conversations can't be had like that. And and, and I'm mostly, again, going off of this one particular Facebook group um, that I actively try to stay away from because it's... um, It's overwhelming. It is so overwhelming. There's a lot of them. There's one in particular where I think it's nationwide. And I saw somebody... It's so weird. So like it's such a large but small world all at the same time. I saw somebody on TikTok who's a therapist that was referencing it. And it's like you'll get a post that has 600 comments in response to one person saying, what do I do about no-show fees? And and 600 people mm-hmm. jumping in. There will often be comments of people who are literally attacking one another and yes. saying – you are a piece of shit, you're unethical, that's not how you should do it. Or being insulting to people who maybe aren't in a place yet to recognize that they have power over these these greater systems in right. some way, that we can kind of take some of that power back. And so then they're like, oh, well, sorry that I don't want to just work like a dog. It's like, well, that's not really opening up the conversation. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it's, there's a lot of passion and heat and it just, it, 
honestly, it kind of saddens me to see that when we're oftentimes pitted against each other. So I agree. I also stay out of those pages and spaces. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, similar to last week where you felt like you needed to get that off your chest. I felt like I needed to get that off my chest because, oh my God, these insurances are really trying. Yeah. I feel like we could make a hundred and bajillion episodes of this Mm -hmm. because it's honest. Well, we're talking about healthcare and we're in healthcare. And so that's like an inevitable part of the conversation. Um, But I think thinking about the fact that there has been such an increase in demand for mental health services that insurance has become a again yet again it kind of ebbs and flows but it's really at the forefront of a lot of people's conversations people or clients are feeling understandably exhausted and frustrated with finding services um, either that take their insurance or that they feel that they can afford that's within their means right Um, and it's I don't think that there's a perfect solution right unfortunately yep yeah but I'm hopeful that together we can as both a therapist community and as a society move towards um better access and uh higher quality care a hundred percent yeah yep i want to end off on a little bit of a high note yes so what is one thing that you are looking forward to in the next week the next week personally or professionally well, both. Well, both. Okay. You are both a person and a professional. Yes. <laughs> um, professionally, I am looking forward to uh, begin phase three with one of my EMDR clients. That's I exciting. think um, they have done such amazing work in past reprocessing sessions. I'm so eager to see the work that's going to be done in this next round. Um, on a personal level, I would say, I guess both personally and professionally, our next episode. Yeah. Yes. I will echo that. I personally am looking forward to warmer weather. Oh, yes. Um, we just had our recent string of like 50 degree 60 degree days and I am feeling the seasonal depression just, just like lifting evaporating yeah away. like evaporate <laughs> out of my body so I'm excited for that um and I'm also excited for our next episode um I want to encourage you guys to tune in we will be having our first guest yes. on the episode We will be talking to a dear friend and colleague of ours, Catherine Konworski. She's a school psychologist here in Connecticut, and we will be talking to her about uh, therapists and schools collaborating together in the work that we do. That is so exciting. I cannot wait for this discussion because I, (laughs) oh my God, it's so important to collaborate with other providers as we touched upon today. So please tune in next week please don't forget to subscribe save follow uh call in and leave us comments um and or questions we'd love to hear from you you guys can also interact with us on instagram at sincerely two, the number two imperfect therapists feel free to dm and or comment below on one of our posts and until next time sincerely, sincerely two imperfect, imperfect therapists, therapists.